You're listening to Rounding at Rush, a Rush University Medical Center podcast that features the latest clinical advances, research, and innovations. I'm your host, Dan Dean. We're joined today by Dr. Mark Wyatt, head of the section of otology, neurotology, and lateral skull-based surgery at Rush University Medical Center. He is an associate professor in the departments of otorhinolaryngology, head and neck surgery, and also neurosurgery. Board certified in otolaryngology and neurotology, Dr. Wyatt specializes in the comprehensive management of acoustic neuroma and lateral skull-based tumors and pediatric and adult implantable hearing devices, including cochlear implants, bone-anchored hearing aids, and pediatric and adult general otology. Dr. Wyatt's research interests involve acoustic neuromas, implantable hearing devices, and otosclerosis. Dr. Wyatt is a member of many professional societies, including the American Academy of Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery, the American College of Surgeons, the American Neurotology Society, and the North American Skull Base Society. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wyatt. Thanks for having me, Dan. To get our conversation going today, can you provide some background information on what acoustic neuromas or vestibular schwannoma are? Sure, Dan. These tumors are the most common neoplasm in the cerebellum pontine angle in adults. They're derived from Schwann cells of the vestibular division of the vestibulocochlear nerve. Uh, the term vestibular schwannoma is preferred over the historical misnomer of acoustic neuroma because of that origin. So, Again, they form from the Schwann cells or the lining of the uh, vestibular nerve. Vestibular schwannomas are often considered rare, but more recent epidemiologic trends have revealed that a lifetime uh, prevalence uh, for these tumors is around one case per 500 persons. There's been a shift over the last 20 to 30 years towards more conservative management strategies that prioritize preservation of neurologic function over cure. So more patients are being observed. We're seeing more patients uh, going to, for radiation. We're seeing more incomplete uh, removals of these tumors. 95% of these tumors are sporadic. Less commonly, they can develop in the context of tumor predisposing genetic disorders such as neurofibromatosis type 2 and schwannomatosis. In general, they can be thought of in, in terms of size. We think of them in five categories. And this, this is going to vary based on uh, which resource you reference, uh, but they can be thought of as intracanalicular, meaning within the internal auditory canal or the bony channel that the, the, the seventh and eighth cranial nerve uh, travel in. They can be thought of as small or less, meaning less than one centimeter, uh, medium sized, meaning one centimeter to 2.5 centimeters, large, uh, meaning 2.5 to four centimeters or giant meaning greater than four centimeters. The growth rate of these tumors in, in general is thought to be one to two millimeters per year. Some of these tumors will remain at rest for a number of years or even after they're identified throughout the life of the patient. However, some can grow rapidly and occasionally uh, cysts can form on some of these tumors. My understanding is that there are some challenges on the both the diagnosis and treatment side for acoustic neuromas. Can we first start with the challenges in diagnosis? What makes it hard for patients to get an accurate diagnosis right away? I think that probably the most difficult aspect of the diagnosis of these tumors like this, and not only vestibular schwannomas, but other 
tumors of the cerebral pontine angle is probably boils down to access to an audiogram or, or the common hearing test because the most common signs and symptoms of these tumors are things like hearing loss, tinnitus, fullness, and dizziness or vertigo. Generally, when these uh, patients present, it's a good idea to first obtain an audiogram. And then if there is some asymmetry on the audiogram in terms of a sensory neural component or a sensory neural type of hearing loss, patients with that finding should be referred to an MRI. So it, I think that it all kind of starts with recognizing the symptoms that patients are having and then moving forward with that audiogram. And if there's there are findings on the audiogram that might indicate a problem like an acoustic aroma or some other sort of a, a, a tumor in the cerebral pontine angle, obtaining that MRI. So there are guidelines for obtaining uh, an MRI uh, based on asymmetry on uh, on the audiogram and uh, one of which is when you're when you're looking at the audiogram if there's uh, greater than 10 decibel uh, difference at two or more contiguous frequencies on the audiogram or a greater than 15 dB difference at a single frequency on the audiogram other reasons to obtain an MRI would be asymmetric tinnitus or unilateral tinnitus or a sudden sensory neural hearing loss so I'm curious, the number of diagnosis of acoustic neuromas has increased over time, and I'm wondering if that's because of better diagnostic equipment, or is it simply that we have greater numbers of older patients who are more likely to develop them? It's probably, you know, I don't think that there's anything in our environment or what have you or uh, any particular reason why they're tending to identify more of these tumors, it's probably just corresponds to an increased access uh, to uh, contrast-enhanced uh, magnetic resonance imaging, or along with more stringent adoption of screening protocols or for asymmetric sensory neural hearing loss. The historical incidence of these tumors was about 1 in 100,000 around 1970, and I think that's that number is still uh, commonly referred to a uh, number when uh, patients are being counseled uh, in regard to the incidence of their problem. But it appears that the incidence of these tumors seems to increase with age. Nowadays, it's it's believed that the incidence is probably somewhere around three to five cases per 100,000. And uh, that seems to actually increase to about 20 per 100,000 uh, with increased age. There are patient registries that exist uh, for these tumors in particular, one that's uh, commonly referred to is the Denmark National Patient Registry for Vestibular Schwannoma. And they've been tracking their patients for approximately uh, 40 years, maybe longer. And they've been able to show us that over time that the average age of diagnosis for these patients has increased from uh, 49 years of age to 60 years of age, while the mean tumor uh, size has decreased from 2.8 centimeters to approximately 0.7 uh, centimeters. With the widespread access to MRI, while patients are receiving uh, or obtaining these MRIs more frequently, we do identify a certain number of cases incidentally. So patients will present with other symptoms such as headaches and so on and so forth. And occasionally uh, they will find an acoustic aroma. And in some studies that appears to be approximately about a quarter of newly diagnosed cases. So I want to flip over to the treatment side of things and talk about the three established ways to treat acoustic neuromas, the wait-and-see approach with serial imaging, surgery, and then radiation. The time to implement 
each is done very much on a case-by-case basis. So what guides your approach to deciding which treatment is the most appropriate for each patient? Well, the, 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 the current management of, of these tumors is uh, somewhat controversial, and that is largely because of the unpredictable behavior of these tumors and uh, the uh, limited high-level evidence for the treatment and management of these tumors. And what you'll find is that the management varies substantially within the United States based on geographic region and institution and then also globally. Our approach is generally uh, guided by, uh, first of all, the size of the tumor and patient's preference, and of course, uh, the age of the patient. Other things that guide us during the, uh, when we're counseling patients on their their tumor and what's the best way to uh, manage it are going to be things like the status of the patient's hearing, uh, the presence or absence of any prolonged uh, dizziness that have been unresponsive to physical therapy, uh, the location of the tumor, whether it's uh, located medially or close to the brainstem or laterally out towards the inner ear. And uh, occasionally, uh, the uh, nerve from origin of the tumor can be determined, um, which is sometimes possible with smaller tumors and high-quality MRIs. And uh, also, we take into consideration uh, comorbidities for the patient, especially when we're considering uh, surgery. So if surgery is involved, what are your primary concerns when using it to treat acoustic neuroma? Main things are going to be the uh, size and location of the tumor and the age and the overall health of the patient. Uh, our priorities when operating on these these tumors are, number one, removal of the tumor, uh, number two, is preservation of the facial nerve uh, function, and then lastly is uh, preservation of the hearing. We always go for a complete tumor removal, but if removal of the tumor uh, will uh, compromise function of the facial nerve, we typically will leave a small amount of tumor behind. The degree of removal is generally referred to as gross total, near total, or subtotal. If the removal is in the gross total or near total category, that in general, the tumor is unlikely to recur in the case of gross total removal or resume growing in the case of near total removal. Patients that have uh, subtotal removal of their tumors, there's about approximately 30% chance that the tumor could uh, start growing again. If uh, any amount of tumor is left behind, that does necessitate more frequent imaging. And what you'll find is that most centers in the United States will will follow a similar uh, protocol in the management of uh, these tumors intraoperatively. So if you're unable to resect the entire tumor, what's then the treatment protocol for patients? Typically, they undergo a follow-up MRI at about three months after the operation, and then a subsequent MRI about six months following that. And if there's no growth between the, the first two MRIs, we'll repeat the MRI at about a year later. And then uh, th- that goes on yearly for approximately five years. Uh, and then after that, we will image the, uh, the patients every other year for a period of time. And after we're convinced that the tumor is not growing, we may uh, spread out the imaging even more. So in your opinion, what sets Rush apart as a leader in providing first-rate care for treatment of acoustic neuromas? In the first place, Rush is ranked third in the country in the specialties of neurology and neurosurgery. Uh, We offer all of the broad treatment options, observation, radiation, surgery. And and because of that, I think we offer an unbiased opinion of care. 
we have a full complement of providers in the specialty of specialties of uh, neurosurgery, uh, neurotology, radiation oncology, neuro-oncology, neuroradiology, audiology, physical therapy. And all these professionals work together to help patients achieve their best possible outcome. In addition, we offer all the surgical approaches for the removal of these tumors. And when patients are treated at rush from a surgical standpoint, uh, the operation always involves a neurotologist and a neurosurgeon. So my last question for you today is, can you talk about how Rush continues to improve its care of patients with these types of tumors? Yeah, sure. We we maintain a database of our patients. We review our outcomes. And when possible, uh, we publish our retrospective findings. And in addition, we are an active member of the Acoustic Aroma Association, which is a great resource for patients with this problem. And we're involved in patient ed- education uh, through that organization. Well, Dr. Wyatt, thanks for a great conversation today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Have a great day.